Welcome to the Creative Brew, helping you keep your creative juices brewing. We're giving out chunks of insight, motivation, and practicality for your creative journey. And welcome to a new episode of the Creative Brew, giving you insights on our creative journey. Today, this episode is brought to you by a few great sponsors of mine. First of all, my home away from home, Panels Comics and Coffee Bar here in beautiful Oceanside, California, right off of Mission Avenue. Um, if you're a, a comic junkie like me <laughs> and you love coffee, this is probably the perfect mix for you. They have some of the hottest graphic novels and comics out right now. Um, so let me know what you're reading. Um, I'm very interested, but um, hey, they also have a, an assortment of merchandise, toys, um, clothes, as well as back issue vintage comic, uh, comics uh, right now. So um, I'm sure you'll you'll probably find some uh, hidden gems in there if you're a, a avid comic collector. So if you mention the Cradle Brew, you'll get 10% off of your next purchase, and uh, you can check them out at Panels Coffee or go to panelscoffee.com. Another partner of mine is Elevate Coffee Trading, and if you appreciate specialty coffee, um, enjoy outdoor adventures, and love help helping elevate the lives of children around the world, then you're gonna love Elevate Coffee Trading. And their mission is to extract hope through love, coffee, and adventures. There's free shipping in the U.S. and every bag of coffee helps. It actually helps sponsor uh, health and education in children and coffee producing companies such as Guatemala and in areas of need in the United States. Use promo code ELEVATE21. That's part of the Creative Brew. And you'll get a discount on your next order uh, when you purchase um, some coffee uh, online on Elevate Coffee Trading. So... Check them out, check out their mission, check out uh, their story at Elevate Coffee Trading, or you can visit online at elevatecoffeetrading.com. Another partner of mine is AstroPad, and if you are a digital creator like me, I'm usually um, creating um, logos, illustrations, all kinds of things. Um, AstroPad is definitely the, the right tool for you. Um, if you're an iPad or a Windows user, uh, you have a graphics tablet, AstroPad actually turns your, your graphics tablet into another uh, professional graphics tablet. So essentially, you can work uh, with Adobe Photoshop, InDesign, all your favorite programs that's on your desktop. You can work right from your, uh, from your iPad Pro or your uh, Windows graphics tablet. So um, it's been a great tool for me, great asset. Uh, I, I can literally work from anywhere. Um, so the Wi-Fi capabilities as well as um, USB connection is, is seamless. And um, it, like I said, it helps me, especially when I'm doing fine tuning on a lot of my uh, work, especially in Photoshop, I'm doing any kind of retouching or anything like that, um, doing logos. Uh, AstroPad actually ha helps me to be able to, to get all those fine, the, the fine tune tuning. And uh, it's, like I said, it's been a great asset for my digital workflow. So they actually have uh, a lot of great discounts going on if you're a student or educator right now. So I would advise you check them out and um, explore it. So you can go to astropad.com and uh, check them out on uh, Astropad on uh, social media, on Instagram and Facebook. And another partner of mine is Cobopod, which is where we're at today. Uh, Cobopod is a boutique video and audio production studio in Oceanside. So if you're a podcaster, vlogger, content creator, um, you, honestly, you should really think about swinging by here. Um, I, I get comments all the time on the production quality uh, of, of each episode that I do here. And uh, it, it makes me look bigger than what I actually am. So um, I said, if anyone is thinking about producing a, a new podcast, even if you're thinking about it, 
come by, check it out. At least at least look online at cobalpod.org and um, see all the different packages they have. And I guarantee you, this this is um, really the, the studio for you. So they have a sound coach as well as a uh, photographer on staff. So like I said, you can use um, the, the photos for your social media, for all kinds of your uh, content. And then you got a sound coach. So you don't, like I said, literally, I, generally, when I'm recording here, all I have to do is come in here, sit down, and I know that um, everything's going to be fine. I know everything's going to be high quality. It's 4K video, excellent audio. And um, like I said, it's definitely um, helped uh, up-level my, my podcast and my show. So if you're interested in in looking to start your new podcast or sort of figuring out, okay, how do I even get one started? What do I need to do? Don't worry about all that. Come over here to Cobo Pod. Book a session today at CoboPod.org. So uh, today, this is uh, an episode. Like I said, I, I find myself sort of getting more uh, musicians uh, on the show, and and um, one in specifically. I, I remember, uh, and before we do introductions, I remember uh, my uh, my wife. She she was the one that actually introduced <laughs> introduced me to this musician. And uh, I got, I caught a, um, actually a clip of it. I was actually in wrestling practice and um, I was coaching and uh, my wife had sent me a clip of, um, you know, of this, of this band and uh, called the Swingin' Johnsons and um, heard, heard this guy Sody singing. And, um, you know, when I heard it, I was like, man, this guy has got, <laughs> he's got a voice on him. And um, so after that, I mean, as soon, as soon as I, it took me probably one minute to say, oh, this this man has a has a voice, and um, so I, I definitely you know became great fans. Uh, now sort of creating a you know relationship uh, with with Sody, and now we got him on here, so it's it's pretty cool. Um, and and like I said, uh, definitely in gratitude for 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 bringing this man on, this talented individual. Uh, like I said, one half of the uh, the band, the Swinging Johnsons, and uh, so yeah, I'll let I let him sort of tell his story, and and we'll go from there. Well, yeah, man. Thanks for the the hype intro. I appreciate it. And thanks for having me on the podcast. Um, so yeah, my name's Sodi. I grew up in Carlsbad. I was actually born in Nashville, Tennessee, and lived for a short time in New Jersey. But <clears throat> ever since I can remember, I'm a Carlsbad kid. And um, we have a family band. My partner, the other half of the Swingin' Johnsons, his name is Wayne Johnson. And he, I always introduce him as Grammy Award winning guitarist Wayne Johnson. That is not a lie. He is a Grammy Award winning guitarist. Um, phenomenal guy. He's played with some incredible groups and he's done some amazing stuff on his own. He studied at Berkeley in Boston, which is like, you know, the music school. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so the family band started with, um, and this is one of my, ta- I'm already getting on a, on a long rant here. Uh, <laughs> My mom dated Wayne in 1984, mm-hmm. 10 years before I was born. I think it was like 83, 84. They split up. And in 92, my mom met my dad at the Jolly Roger in Oceanside Harbor. Yeah. My dad was playing music. My mom went in there um, with my dad's cousin, who she worked with at Jenny Craig. She, my, my dad's cousin was like, you got to come see my cousin. He's like, whatever. So my mom clearly has, you know, she likes musicians. She went. And saw my dad there and she fell in love with him and apparently it was mutual because he was married at the time and he ended up divorcing his wife marrying my mom they had me in nashville they moved to nashville because my dad was pursuing a country career yeah and uh and then shortly after they moved back here 
And shortly after that, they split up. So my, my mom was my, both my parents were single for a very short time before they got back with their respective exes. So my dad remarried the woman he was married to when he met my mom, who's my stepmom. And my mom got back together with Wayne, ended up marrying Wayne when I was like four or five years old. Yeah. There was a bit of a rough patch with my dad, um, like just accepting the new situation. But for the most part, he and Wayne have always gotten along extremely well. And it only took a short time for him to realize Wayne's such a good guy and, uh, and to accept it. And so they became like brothers almost in a weird way. Mm-hmm. And they actually formed a trio called Treja Vu. Um, my mom and her two husbands. That was always the joke, but it's kind of the case. And so I grew up, they would play at the, um, Monterey Bay Canneries in Oceanside Harbor, which is uh, the broiler, the Oceanside mm-hmm. broiler now, but used to be called Monterey Bay Canneries. So I'd see them play there. I'd go watch my dad play solo all the time. And they played at a couple places, but a lot of the music we play is from. 60s and 70s maybe early 80s um and i learned all those songs from watching them and their set so when wayne and i first started it's like well what do we play all the songs that i knew were the covers that my parents did growing up mm-hmm. so i hadn't actually heard a lot of the records until recently the past couple of years i started yeah. actually listening to that music but <laughs> when i started playing it was just kind of i didn't really think it was going to be a full-time thing um i am still deeply in love with hip-hop and i really was at the time and i was like i don't want to play guitar and sing i like hip-hop i like i want to produce i want to write i want to rap um but then it just organically grew into this very fun positive family kind of situation that we now have a lot of people at least a lot for us that um come out to see us and support us and have a great time and it's the way i pay the bills now so it's pretty cool but yeah, the uh, the Swingin' Johnsons. I always say my mom's the best A&R in the world because she put the band together, whether she knew it or not, from marrying different musicians. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that uh, that has that's got to be interesting. Uh, <laughs> have, <I don't, laughs> have you seen? Have you seen? Have you been there on a night where my dad comes in? Oh yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. I, I love his. Uh, I love his Johnny. Johnny Cash. Uh, yeah, Johnny Cash. He's got to be in Johnny Cash. Yeah, it's, yeah. And so he he's had a really gnarly past. 10 years i'd say just yeah. health stuff and yeah um but johnny cat like the high register stuff is is i mean it's difficult for anybody to oh, yeah. sing you know certain songs even like some nights i sing songs I'm like i could kill the song the night before <laughs> yeah and then come out and sing that hit don't hit that note and then i'm mad about it for like five days so <laughs> um but he just took a lot of time off and he's you know kind of redeveloping his voice and stuff so that's good um yeah but we still occasionally get all four of us up to sing like hotel california my yeah. dad was johnny cash my mom will do some lambert hendrix and ross and it's it's very much a family band but wayne and i are the the consistent group yeah yeah so uh with, with wayne he because uh, i mean I, I know i've I've met him before and i'm i mean probably one of the best guitarists i've ever <laughs> i've ever heard um how I mean, how old is he? I mean, cause he just—he just seems very energetic for right. He will be seventy in November. Wow, I know, <laughs> crazy. Um, he's always been a very like, it's been important to him to be healthy. Yeah, diet, exercise. Yep, knock on wood. So, um, <clears throat> he definitely has kept some youth. Yeah, and music definitely keeps him young too. He'll play 
I mean, it's not abnormal for him to play eight hours a day when we're not working. Wow. Just because he watches sports and he'll play guitar. Or yeah. Go sit in the backyard, get some sun, he'll play guitar, go to the bathroom, play guitar. You just always hear yeah. Wayne's guitar. I Like my whole childhood was waking up in the morning, Wayne Wayne's playing guitar. Yeah. So, yeah, he uh, he definitely does not look his age in a good way. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, 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 don't know. I'm, I know I'm a big advocate for, you know, for health and, and uh, you know, just even with all the things that I do, you know, I have to be able to have the, the, the energy to, to be able to, you know, from doing design work to doing the podcast to coaching to working out. I mean, it's just um, it's one of those to where, yeah, I wholly believe, you know, if you can keep yourself in the, in in a good um, health and, uh, you know, and your your wellness is great, then you can you can do what you want to do for, you know, for years. Definitely. Um, and uh, yeah, that's like, man, he's, he's real energetic. You know, man, he's just real. I mean, he's already sort of laid back anyway. But yeah, yeah. Um, he's man, a very laid back guy. Yeah. But when it comes to uh, passionately shredding, that's where it comes out. Oh, he yeah. gets a lot of that out that way. So you coach wrestling. Where do you coach wrestling? Uh, I actually coach wrestling. I, I, I help uh, with a lot of MMA fighters. So I, I actually coach at the uh, the compound. Um, um, little shameless plug there at the compound Oceanside in, um, uh, here in Oceanside. And uh, so, yeah, I, I usually coach every uh, every Wednesday. And, uh, yeah, it sort of, you know, helps me, keeps me young. And uh, so a lot of those guys are like 10 years younger than me. So, uh, yeah, I'm usually uh, working out with them you know, training them. And then uh, I usually give them some little uh, inspirational words afterwards. Nice. And uh, so it's, it's something where I'm real, uh, real big on sort of, sort of feeding the, the, the mind and the spirit too. Um, I think if, if that happens, then, you know, I think your body will follow with, with everything. But um, I, and sometimes a lot of those guys, like I said, they're young and, you know, you, I have to be patient with them, but uh, you know, a lot of them, you know, try to work out, work out, work out. And, um, but their, their mind, uh, isn't where it needs to be at. Yeah. Um. To really, uh, to sh- really sort of be where they, uh, what they could become. So it, you know, sometimes it takes time. Some some people get it, some people don't. Yeah. Um. But uh, yeah. As a coach, you sort of learn to be uh, patient with it. Totally. Yeah. But uh, yeah. That's that's one of the one of the many things that I <laughs> that I do. I think that's rad, man. <laughs> I think you know, for me, in working out or singing or whatever you're doing the difference between a good day and a bad day is your mental state and how you're thinking about it. And you can change a bad day into a good day and vice versa. But, um, for me, like I was lifting a bunch before I got, I got COVID in December. So I was like, I didn't really see anybody or do anything for about a month. Um, I was lifting all of 2020 pretty much and everything shut down. We made it work in my friend's backyard, but I was squatting, before the shutdown, I was squatting 365. That was like my highest. I think I got five reps. And then kind of tapered down as we went to my friend's backyard. We didn't have as much weight. We don't even have 365 pounds to put on the bar. So kind of went down. And then then I got sick and stopped lifting. So I got kind of down and depressed and I'm not working out, blah, blah, blah. Well, I just squatted for the first time the other day and I had a, I was excited to lift. I was mental. I was like, let's go. And I hit 310 times for my first day back, which, which was, it's about where I was at, at my best. And it's, I try, if I try to do that on a bad day, there's no shot. It's completely like, how are you going to the workout? How you approach stuff? And I picked it up. I said, oh, this is light. I got this. I was going for five reps. I was like, nah, I'm doing 10. And I did it. So, <laughs> so I that's rad. Um, so 
even even with your schedule now, is there? I mean, do you have like a certain uh, like a morning routine that you do, or uh, I mean, just to get yourself in the right headspace because it could be easy to. I mean, even for any creator or musician or, or artist i mean to you know say you happen to have a bad night or you have a you know bad note and you you sort of think about it and dwell on it yeah uh i didn't know if you um I, I didn't know what you do to sort of sort of reset and get your get everything going for that next day my my morning routine is sleep yeah i do not have a morning routine it's actually bad i mean i used to wake up <laughs> actually late like real late yeah these days i wake up at like eight or nine so it's not okay. too late and I play till, you know, 10 and then we get off, tear down. By the time I go to bed, it's one usually. Yeah. So I'm not even getting eight hours of sleep most of the time. But yeah. um, coffee in the morning is crucial for me, <laughs> which I didn't get today because I'm on that stupid cleanse, which I love so much. <laughs> um, I, I don't have much of a I'm a very uh, I do well with a schedule mm -hmm. and I have no schedule. Besides, we have to play music at this restaurant at this time on this day. And that's my schedule. I was boxing before I got sick too. Yeah. Um, so I had a noon class and that would help. I'd get up, do my thing. And then every day, pretty much five days a week at noon, I'm going to the boxing gym. Yeah. But I saw one of your questions is like advice on like creativity and like how to now my only advice is I just want advice. I don't have any to give. So if you guys are listening and you have advice on how I can be more productive and creative, just find me on Instagram and let me know. I do not have, like, I don't have a routine, bro. I'm actually, it's not that I'm lazy. I just have a lot. Like I go through, I go, it's like a mental battle almost every day to get back to a positive mindset. Yeah. I'm, I'm organically kind of down. Yeah. When I wake up in the morning, it's like stress. Like, oh, I got to do this later. Oh, I got to do that. Oh, boy, well, I fucked up this the other week. Sorry if I can't. I don't. Can I cuss? Oh, you can cuss a little bit. That's okay. Fine. Okay. Sorry about that. You can, <laughs> I messed that up the other week, blah, blah, blah. And I just, I if I don't check it and get out of it, it's a it's a rough day. So. I completely understand that. Yeah. No morning routine, man. I need to get one. That's part of the, partly what this cleanse is for, though. It's not just to lose weight and to get yeah. my organs healthy, but it's like resetting your lifestyle. Yeah. And. Um, ideally I'd like to be doing meditation, stretching in the morning mm -hmm. before I have my coffee or tea and a workout Yeah, that I feel like when you start the day with a workout, the earlier it is like the better, because it tends to last through the day. Yeah. If you do a workout at 5 PM, that's cool too. But like, you don't have the momentum going through the beginning of the day. Like you do when you get up and yep. work out and everyone's schedule is different, but I have wide open morning. So, Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I know, I know personally for me, I do a lot of, uh, a lot of meditation, a lot of, uh, writing, um, always working out. Um, I actually, I actually, I, I'm doing better now. I said, because I've been so used to, I, I mean, I, I wrestled in, in college and I was sort of used to working out two or three times a day plus school. And, um, it was sort of odd for me. Like if I didn't work out twice a day, that was like that wasn't normal for me, and I would I used to get mad at myself like oh I was like I gotta get this workout in, and I, now uh, I'm starting to you know I'm, I still work out every day, but it's like now if I miss a day or something like that I don't I don't you know beat myself up like yeah. I used to, um, but yeah I, I, I you know even uh, setting the the morning up you know that's something I I'm pretty consistent on and I've sort of noticed um, you know I, I've done it. I sort of set up my morning for, um, you know, doing the meditation, working out. Um, I've done that. And then I've experimented, uh, experimented before with not doing that. And I could, I could tell right off the bat that I'm already sort of, you know, not really, not necessarily cranky, but there's things that 
sort of hit me on a daily basis that normally I would respond in a different way. Um, and when I don't, when I'm just already in reaction mode already, then, you know, all those cortisol levels start spiking up, you know, everything is high alert. And, um, so I think, you know, sort of creating that space for yourself and just sort of, um, you know, getting quiet, getting silent, sort of, you know, figuring out, um, you know, really figuring out your own, uh, your own answers. Uh, you know, a lot of times I ask myself questions so I can figure out the answers for myself. And, um, you know, I, I think once I get that, you know, get my body and in, in my mind in the right, uh, headspace, even, you know, going into the, into the day, whatever happens, I know that I can, at least I got that done. So, you know, even if something happens and, you know, I don't get, I don't finish up the projects or, or things that happen like I, like I wanted, um, at least I know I, I'd done that and I sort of invested that part of me, um, during that day to say, Hey, look, you took this, you know, 15, 20, 30 minutes. Uh, a lot of times I, I try to, I try to keep it within about 45 minutes to an hour. And, um, you know, you took time for yourself to, you know, just, you know, get yourself better. Yep. Um, and I, I think that, you know, if you can do that, then I think you sort of set your, your day up, but yeah, it can be, you know, sometimes it can be a little hard. I mean, things happen. You're, you know, you get heck, things get hectic. You know, you just sort of get up and you gotta, you gotta go. But, um, heck, sometimes sleep might be the best cure for everything. I don't, there are some days where I do need just to take a nap. Like I sleep for eight hours. I'm like, dude, I need a nap and I wake up feeling good. Yeah. But sometimes it's not the answer. Sometimes I, you know, you sleep for the wrong reasons and you're avoiding, avoiding stuff. But I feel like, you know, brain chemistry is it is what makes our personality up for the most part. Yeah. We have our spirit and our soul, and like that's arguable. But the fact is, we have brain chemistry, and when certain chemicals are released in your brain, it affects your mood in this way or this yeah. way. And working out is um, not only good for that, but it's good for like like you said the the mentality of like I did something productive today, I did something healthy today. It's like a positive yeah thing. And on top of the brain chemistry, because cortisol, I feel like you don't get as stressed out if you lift hard. You put yourself in that kind of uncomfortable position on purpose. Cause oh, yeah. I, I, I've lifted on and off my whole life pretty much because I played sports or worked out or whatever. And like rarely when you're in that situation, is it, are you having a good time? If you're really getting a good workout, it's not the best feeling. It hurts. Yeah. Like you've got to push past some pain. And that brings out mental stuff. Like, you know, you're thinking, I'm, I'll be thinking about stuff during a workout that gets me through the workout, but I'm thinking about stuff unrelated to the workout. Like, the the girl you know the girl that broke up with me six months ago and i'm like lifting and i'm in pain and all of a sudden the pain from the breakup starts coming out and then i'm like i'm gonna i'm gonna <laughs> use that to push this up ah. so yeah uh you know what you just brought up a, a interesting point um you know i had someone ask me one time that like you know you've been you're like what like how do you get motivated to work out i mean i literally i've literally been working out probably more than half my life and um yeah, it gets to where sometimes like, yeah, I do get complacent with, with certain things, but, um, uh, used to, yeah, I would, I would, you know, use something to sort of, uh, you know, use that, that sort of rage or anger to, to sort of fuel me for the, uh, for the workouts. But, um, you know, now I sort of, with that sort of gone, I really don't have anything as far as like, I mean, yeah, I do got goals and things that I'm striving for, but as far as for me, like, you know, me using uh hurt or anger to sort of fuel it um i really don't do that anymore so i, I sort of find myself like how do i motivate you know how do i find little things to 
you know, motivate myself. Well, yeah, there's, um, there's the yeah, pain, there's the pain motivation. Then there's like the goal motivation. Yeah. Too. Like that's, and that's probably healthier. Um, but I mean, boxing, hitting the bag. Like if you're mad about something, you go hit the bag for an hour. You're probably not going to walk out as mad about that. <laughs> yep. Like, even if you're not thinking about it, it's just, that's just how it works. Yeah. But, and then, you know, pre-workout. So I don't, I don't love taking supplements. Like th- there's some like protein, like all that stuff. But I mean, like there's a difference between like a natural stimulant, or, yeah. like a little thing to get you going. And then like the pre-workouts that like the muscle head dudes at the gym are taking, they don't even <laughs> yeah. put it in water. They just pour it in their mouth and take a sip of water with the powder. Um, I have a buddy that just, he literally had, they had to remake his pre-workout I think at least once a year because the FDA, they were putting like chemicals in it that yeah. w- were like loophole chemicals. So they were oh. like, like analogs to illegal chemicals, but there was something slightly different about the molecule that allowed it to be in there without them getting in trouble. Then the FDA updates the regulations like, okay, we've identified this. It's not legal. So they had to tweak the molecule a little bit. And my friend just keeps buying it and taking it. And I took some of that. <laughs> I had a killer workout, but I took it for three days straight and it had, um, it had L-dopa in it and L-dopa is the precursor to dopamine. So like among other things in it, like there's a, it's technically an amphetamine stimulant, which yeah. I'm not down for, but I just wanted to try it to get into some workouts and he is a big old dude. So I'm like, Hey, he's taking it, whatever, but it has <laughs> L-dopa in it. So like you're in the workout and you get this euphoria because it basically makes your brain create dopamine. Yeah. And then, after three days I started noticing I was just having mood swings and I was just getting pissed about stuff that I shouldn't be getting pissed. I'm like, why am I so moody right now? I'm like, Oh, wait a minute. I'm taking powdered L dopamine to, to work out multiple days in a row. That's probably not good. So there are really good pre-workouts out there. And that's something that helps me is like, if I take something, it just kind of like gets the blood going, gets your mind going. You put in work for an hour, hour and a half, and then it starts to fade off. You finish your workout and you go about your day. Um, but as far as like mental, it's so hard for me to be mentally motivated to like lift. I mean, besides the fact that I've gained a bunch of weight back that I lost before and I don't look my best right now. It's just tough, man. I definitely, I have like depressed, like, I feel like a lot of artists go through, it's like you're manic when you're creative and I'm like, Oh, I, I'm oh, not, yeah. you know, extremely manic depressed, but I'll have moments where I'm motivated and excited and like hopeful for my future. And then I have moments where I'm just like, what's the point of getting up and making this right now like why would i go write a song right now yeah what's going to come of it and that's a really bad space to get into so the real answer is sometimes you're not going to be motivated you just have to do it yep yep and i mean that's what it it's what it comes down to i mean there's a lot of times where i just honestly i'd heck i could probably just go back to bed and go you know lay down but you know just i've my body i've gotten used to you get up and you know go do your routine, get up, go work out, go walk. I mean, heck, even, I mean, sometimes my, my joints hit in the best, you know, I, I do pretty good to, you know, stay, stay loose and stay flexible. But heck, sometimes it's like, oh, I think maybe I just need to take a walk. Um, at least get your, you know, get yourself moving. And that's for anyone, anyone that's, um, that's listening uh, or will listen to this is, um, you know, and I think we've talked about this. Actually, I talked about this with a previous musician that was on here. Um, a couple of weeks ago is just is just learning how to be consistent and uh, you know you're not going to feel like it um every day and it's it's very easy to you know feel like it when you're a superstar or uh you know you just on top of the world but you know when you're at your at a very low point and you can still get up and just move forward that is that is the most powerful thing that you could 
that you could do. Uh, you're able to do that. You can take on anything. That's what um, successful people do. Yeah. Yep. They can do it on days where they don't feel like it. Yep. Yeah. So we'll we'll go back. We'll swing back around. Um, because we'll, we'll probably talk about that for another hour. Oh yeah. Um, so with with you, you know, you've been pretty fortunate to sort of be in a musical household. Um, I'm sure there is pros and cons to that. Um, what for you is it has it been easier or has it been harder in certain situations? Um, as far as being around a just a, a musically inclined family. Mostly, it's made it. I mean, I think that's why I'm musical, but I would say like <clears throat> a, a not so great mentality that I had in the past was like, well, you know, like you said, I agree with you. Wayne's one of the best guitar players I've ever heard by far. Mm -hmm. Just incredible. So my thing in my head is like, well, you know, if your dad's Picasso, why would you learn how to paint? He, he already got Picasso in the house. So I never really worked on my lead guitar too much and like uh, always kind of compare. Well, I'll never be as good as Wayne, even if I practice every day at, you know, soloing and shredding and all that good stuff. Um, but the mentality I switched to recently is if Picasso is your dad, you should probably learn how to paint from Picasso. And, yeah. um, and that's how I hold Wayne up on that level. So that's why I use the Picasso reference, but, uh, yeah. So, mo but everything else is like, I mean, I wouldn't, I don't think I would have gotten into this kind of music if I didn't have my guitar and singing musical family. Um, I think just hip hop is part of my soul. I did, I love lyricism and, but you know, your family created you, your genetics created you. So it's kind of like a double edged sword. It's like, I don't know if I didn't have a musical family, I don't even know if I'd be doing music. I don't know if I'd be me. Yeah. Um, but that's just been my life. And my, my mom does other stuff and, well, that's about it. Wayne and my dad have been full-time musicians. So it's always been a super big part of um, my life. Even when I wasn't, there were, there was a long period of time where I wasn't doing anything musical, mm -hmm. just playing football and boxing. And I actually wanted to avoid it because uh, I've seen the downsides of being a musician. Yeah. Um, Wayne is so accomplished and yet, you know, he's a jazz musician. He's not like playing pop music. He could have easily gone on tour with the band, but that's not what he wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, he liked the Manhattan transfer, but I mean like a band that's selling out fat arenas. He could have had that yeah. if he wanted it. He just didn't want it. So it's not like he's, you know, this millionaire rock star. He's just <laughs> very good at what he does. And there's that niche group of people that love his music and appreciate it. Mm -hmm. And then my dad has done the local scene since the early nineties and essentially exactly what I'm doing. Um, and he, I've seen the good and the bad, and there's been some tough times with that. So a lot of me resisted um being that being what i'm on paper supposed to be mm -hmm. and i just couldn't avoid it anymore it just happened so i accepted it finally and uh, it's been the best most wholesome part of my life is i know a lot of people my age who whose family live in the area they live in the area but they just don't spend that much time with them and yep. that's for a lot of reasons not everyone has a close family and um i just know uh, a lot of people that really are successful and they really work and they don't make time for family and don't mm -hmm. make time for important people. They get, they get to a certain point when they're like, okay, yeah, I accomplished all this, but you can't get that time back. Yep. So I kind of see it as doing both at the same time. Like I really am putting in these shows, like we don't sit home and practice much unless we're, we're doing new songs. Yeah. But these gigs are always different. We could be the same restaurant every week and it's a different experience every week. Mm-hmm you know not not thinking you don't sound that great that night yeah not feeling good i performed sick 
I've performed hungover. I've performed, you know, <laughs> so you just learn how to be consistent when you don't feel consistent. Yeah. Um, and, and I get to do all that and work on myself with my family being there. My mom comes to a lot of the shows. My dad yep. will come to the shows and like, you know, before COVID, my stepmom would come a lot. She's a little more concerned and conservative about COVID. So yep. we haven't seen her too much, but, um, I wouldn't trade it. I definitely wouldn't change the fact that I get to work on my career uh, and myself with the people that care about me the most and who I care about the most. Yeah. Um, family. And I have, I don't have any siblings. I have a few close friends that I consider that they're the closest thing I have to brothers. Mm -hmm. So spending time with them and my parents is very high on my priority list because uh, I do want to be successful, but I also don't want to look back and go, man, so-and-so's gone. I could have spent more time with them. Yeah. Because uh, you can't replace that. You sure can't. So. Time rules all. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I know that uh, from just other musicians I've talked to, I mean, I know everybody's had their sort of just horror, you know, stories and, you know, some some great some great times. And then, you know, some times where like, man, should I really be? <laughs> should I really be in this industry right now? Um, so, uh, you know, you, you've been one of the fortunate because I, I really feel like, you know, I'm under the I'm under the theory that you can grow anywhere that you're planted. And what I mean by that is that, you know, it happened. To, you happen to be here. I mean, obviously, you, you born in Nashville, uh, t Tennessee, Tennessee kids. I'm uh, obviously we talked before I'm from Cleveland. But, mm -hmm. um, you know, even if what you come in here and, you know, growing up and, you know, playing music here, um, and you're actually making a sort of a turning this into a full time gig. Mm -hmm. um, did you did you always feel like that was possible, or did you feel like uh, maybe I need to, you know, I, I know some people that could sort of be on the sort of the on the halfway end of where like let me get something stable so I can use that. Sort yeah. Of. What What do you think about that? Do you feel like hey, just you should go all the way in? So or? I I kind of did the opposite. Um, I mentioned I played football. Yeah. Uh, I was a long snapper. Um, and that's what I played linebacker and other stuff, but I, yeah. I'm not that big of a guy. And the goal was always get great grades and get a scholarship to play college football. So my parents didn't have to pay for my college. That was like what I wanted and what I was told I wanted. I, I did want it, but it was like, you're going to do this and you're going to do this. And I was like, all right, yeah, that sounds pretty good. I don't want you to have to, you know, pay a bunch of money. I don't want to take out student loans. So let's yeah. try to get a scholarship. <laughs> Best chance of me getting a scholarship was getting really good at long snapping because it's, a uh, unique position that has a very specific skill set and if you're very good at it you can get much further than you know how many amazing linebackers how many amazing wide receivers yeah. how many amazing running backs are there but how many really amazing long snappers are there so that's kind of where i went and kickers too there, mm -hmm. there are more i'd say more more trained incredible kickers than long snappers um, because it's the least glorious position um Nobody knows who you are until you completely screw up. That's <laughs> yeah. what my my coach, my long snapping coach always said. Like, you'll know you did really, really well if your name is never mentioned in any articles because they usually only mention the long snapper when you snap the ball over the punter's head and they pick it up and score and you lose the game. Yeah. So I went that route. Um, I was playing in high school. Uh, I got offered to Air Force, which I didn't want to do. Mm -hmm. um, and then I was talking to San Diego State, which was like, where I really wanted to go and they ended up going with 
this other guy who was two inches taller than me and about five times better than me at snapping. And he's my buddy because all the snappers around the country, we all go to these camps together. Yeah. There's one guy, Rubio, Chris Rubio. Shout out to Chris Rubio. <laughs> Best coach I ever had. And he only taught long snapping. He did teach life as well. Yeah. There was a lot of life lessons and character building and, and camaraderie in his camps. But all these kids from Georgia and Florida and Texas and California and Oregon, we'd all go to his camps together. So I think there's at least five or six long snappers in the NFL right now that are starting that are from my class that I know personally. And a oh, couple wow. of them I'm actually like buddies with. Yeah. My buddy Tabor Pepper got signed to the 49ers this year. Nice. Congrats. Um, yeah. So I'm super stoked for him. He's had a journey too, man. Like these guys, you know. They'll get signed for a few games and they'll get cut. And if they mess up once they get cut, but then they're free agents and they can give up or they can keep lifting and working and yeah. gets, you know, go to the camps and go to the things with the team. And then he, he stayed at it and, and now he's on the 49ers. So I'm super stoked for him. Um, but the, the Rubio camps were huge and I ended up getting recruited to Cal Poly San Luis Obispo, which is a D one double a school. So mm -hmm. it's not D two, but it's definitely not D one. We did play one D one team, um, but it's D one double A. Yeah, lower budget, smaller school, still good athletes. But um, I was going to Cal Poly, and when I got there, so I got I got my good GPA. I got the, the preferred walk on, which means if you do well your first year, we'll scholarship you the next year. Yeah, maybe not full scholarship, maybe fifty percent. And then if you do really well by the time I was a senior, the goal was to be on one hundred percent scholarship. Yeah. So I did it. I did what I was supposed to do. I got good grades and I got recruited. And Cal Poly, I had like a three eight, a three point eight nine GPA in high school, which is pretty good. Mm -hmm. um, I would not have gotten into Cal Poly without football. Their yeah. average is like four two, four three, four four GPAs. Like these kids are, you know, engineering majors, aerospace, yeah. um, pre med, like, uh, and then agriculture is like a big thing out there too. But I was a psychology major, so it made no sense. <laughs> they have a good psych. They're a great school. But so I was going to Cal Poly. And I got there a month and a half before school started for football camp. And I realized on the drive up there, wait, I don't want to play college football. I just wanted to get into college through football. I don't want to do this. And it's like the camp was like six days a week, like 12, 13, 14 hour, like crazy. You wake up in the morning, you go to camp, you have three meals with the team and you go back home at night. And this was like a month before anybody even got there, like anybody else. It was yeah. just the athletes. Bro, I cried almost every day. I called my mom. I don't want to do this. I called my coach Rubio. I don't want to do it. And they're like, look, dude, you made a commitment. You're going to play the season. Like you're not getting out of it. Play the season. And if you don't want to play after, then you don't have to play next year. So I went through the season playing and did not. I had a bad attitude, but the team wasn't. I played on a lot of football teams. It was like I didn't click with very many people on that team. Yeah. And it's different in college, like high school yep. teams, you know, people are like really competing out there. It's not as much of a like, oh, we're all brothers and we have math class together. It's like you got dudes that are like 22, 23 years old and I'm like 18, freshly yeah. 18. They're like grown men <laughs> to me. Yeah. And they're big too. Like they're big old six foot four linemen and I'm the freshman. And since I was a long snapper, I was the starting long snapper, but I was the only freshman that traveled. So when we would go on the road to play games, I was the only freshman. So you can imagine a group of like 30 dudes and there's one freshman, how that's going to go. Like, yeah. you know, and I have never been like good at taking shizzle from people. I'm trying not to cuss. I'm sorry. I cuss a lot. <laughs> um, I, I'm not good at that. And I'm not very good with like authority, which is why my job is another benefit. Is I don't have a boss. Yeah. 
we actually, it was looking like we were going to make the playoffs and I didn't expect it. And I told my coach, I was like, yo, I am going home Thanksgiving week, whether we make the playoffs or not. And he's like, well, not if we have practice, like you're, you're going to be here for practice. And I said, no, you don't understand. I'm an only child. I haven't seen my family. I didn't even want to play this season. I'm going home for Thanksgiving. I'm a long snapper. I do the same thing every play. And this is the head coach of this team. And he's just like, all right, dude, like we'll cross that bridge when we get there, whatever. So the week before, uh, it was week 10. Um, I woke up on Monday for practice at like 4:45. We had early practice before. Mm. And I put all my stuff on. This is Central Coast, California in November and almost December. And I walk, I'm like walking out of my dorms and this gust of wind just stops me in my tracks. It just dropped like 15 degrees when this gust came. And I said, screw this. I'm going back to bed. So I went back to bed, did it the next day. I said, hey, I'm not feeling good. I'm not coming in again. They go, why don't you just leave your stuff in the locker room? Like you don't have to play anymore. We're tired of trying to like, I, I didn't handle it the best, but I was like miserable on the yeah. team. So I, and everyone around me was like, you're nuts. Like, why would you not, why would you not want to play college football? Like you get a scholarship, you blah, blah, blah. And I was like, this is not what I want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, I kind of quit, but technically it's like they, they fired me. So I would have gotten like a severance package kind of a thing. They were just like, just go bro. Like we don't want to deal with you anymore. Uh, and then they made the playoffs and in the semifinals, they lost by two points and the backup snapper snapped the ball over the punter's head and they got a safety safety oh. is worth two points so yeah. the entire team now who blamed me for or didn't i'm sorry just treated me like garbage like thought i was useless blamed me for losing the season because i left the team i'm like man maybe if you guys showed some appreciation while i was there for my position and what i do i would have stayed in the playoffs yeah um so i wasn't playing football anymore i was just going to school i'm writing raps i was kind of like in high school i would just write freestyle i was good at freestyling yeah and I, but I started writing and my mom was like, well, you quit football. Like if rapping is something you want to do, like you got to put the work in. So I saw this thing, there's a showcase in, in LA. And if you want to come down next weekend, like we'll get you signed up and you can perform in front of these A&R. So it was like a, um, what is it called? When they have a bunch of people, a showcase. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A bunch of people come in. There's probably like 30 people that came in. We each got like seven minutes. So I did, did two or three songs and an A&R from Atlantic Records was there named Sean. And Sean pulled me aside after and said, hey, I like what you did. Like, why don't we meet? Met with Sean in his office, played him guitar and sang a little bit. He's like, cool, I see a lot of potential in you. He signed me to a 360 deal, which is a development deal. So mm-hmm. not a record deal. I don't get this big bonus or anything. It's an entity that's not really a major label yeah. saying, we see potential in you. We're going to give you studio time and hook you up with producers, help you find your sound. And once you once we develop you, we'll pitch you to a label and hopefully get you signed. And he worked for Atlantic. So the goal was to get me signed to Atlantic and then they get a big cut of everything, merchandise, touring, the bonus, like everything. Um, and those are messed up those 360 deals because like what an artist usually doesn't know or isn't told is when you get a bonus, like let's say it's $3 million. It's a big bonus. Mm-hmm. If you get $3 million up front. That means you owe the record label $3 million before you make a penny. Yeah. And a lot of these artists will just blow that $3 million and then their record will flop. So they will make maybe $150,000 in their first like week of record sales, maybe. Mm-hmm. So they're like, wait a minute, you owe us now $2,750,000 or whatever. I'm not a math guy. Yeah. You owe us a lot of money <laughs> yeah, and you so- <laughs> spent all that money. So where are we going to get that money? So that's when people get screwed and locked in. Anyways, yeah. they pitched me to Atlantic. 
Um, Atlantic didn't want me. Thank God, because I wasn't ready. They're like, he, he's not ready. Yeah. Young Young Jeezy was one of the um, one of the executives at Atlantic Records at the time. So I'm sitting there playing guitar and singing in front of Young Jeezy, <laughs> which was super weird, but cool. Um, and then I got into this kind of hippie phase and started taking a lot of mushrooms and mm-hmm. a lot of acid and didn't really want to listen to those guys at Atlantic very much. I'm like, you're the man. Like, I don't want to listen to the man. I want to make music about fighting the man. And like, I want to make music promoting the benefits of psychedelics. So I made a whole project and they're go- they're shaking their heads going, all right, same thing. Like, I didn't want to listen to them. They're like, all right, bro. Like we're telling you what's going to get you to this place. But if you want to go do some weird abstract stuff and like, think it's going to work, like you think you're chance the rapper, like go ahead, bro. <laughs> so I did. And they just, they pretty much same thing as my football coach. They're just like, dude, we're, we're over it. So they stopped booking me for recording sessions mm-hmm. and they stopped doing this. And I messed that deal up. I was young. I was really young and nobody explained anything to me. When I signed that contract, I did not know what I was signing. Yeah. Um, and I just didn't know who I was yet. Like I was, when they found me, I was a malleable ball of clay that mm-hmm. had potential that they could shape into something that's sellable. And then I found my own passion, which was, you know, and the thing about my family and everyone, you know, t- time is short and, and life is temporary and you got to appreciate it. I got a lot of those positive uh, messages from my psychedelic experiences quite frankly my mom knew i was doing it like it it was very i was very upfront about it and it it made me a better person in a lot of ways but there's also kind of a trap in that to where you think you know everything and you think you're more enlightened than everyone else. like that's a it's a dangerous trap that a lot of that community kind of gets stuck in from time to time yeah Uh, i definitely got stuck in it so i ruined my relationship with uh, the a and r and got to a point where I was just like trying to come in and do stuff and they were just like not down. But I mean, I was recording in Atlantic studios. I was meeting amazing artists that I looked up to. Like I was driving to LA one day and this, this guy signed Ty Dolla Sign to Atlantic. So he's the A&R that discovered and signed Ty Dolla Sign. Mm -hmm. So I'm driving up and one of them calls me and they're like, Hey, uh, your session's canceled. Ty needs to record some stuff for Coachella and I was like okay well I'm about 10 minutes away and I live in San Diego so I'm like in LA like can I at least come by the studio and just hang out They're like he's like yeah I don't care call Sean so I called Sean he's like I don't care call the other one and I was like I'm just gonna go like they I'm just gonna show up and if what's the worst that could happen right okay. so I show up and uh there he is like Ty Dallasan just sitting in the room like the first room and you walk in and I go in and I'm like hey uh it's so and so here and he's like nah he left and I was like you mean he like left like he's gone or is he like coming back and he goes who are you and I was like, oh, I'm, I'm, I went by Wes at the time because my real name's Wesley. And I was like, oh, I'm Wes. He goes, oh, Sean's artist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he played me some stuff. It's cool. And I was like, oh, thanks, man. Like he was, he didn't mean it. He wasn't like, oh, you're amazing. Yeah. He was just like, oh yeah, no, I heard your stuff. And um, I was like, you guys, they were smoking. I was like, do you mind if I sit and like smoke with you guys? And like, nah, cool. So I sat at the table and smoked Ty and his friend and <laughs> talked about Coachella. It was like super cool. Um, but that was like one of the last sessions that I like went up there for. Yeah. Um, they just stopped calling me. So in my head, I had, there's a whole chapter of my hippie phase that I will skip over. Cause I've <laughs> talked about another podcast and it's just unnecessary, but I was just doing, <laughs> so I was just crazy. I was just taking a lot of it and not really doing anything for my life. Just like thinking I was getting these insights and that I was going to change the world with my newfound mentality that nobody discovered in the sixties already, by the way, like yeah. there wasn't an entire <laughs> yeah. movement of millions of people that found the same answers. And that went really well, by the way, not, it didn't end too well. Um, so I was just kind of arrogant and stupid. 
And I was like, well, I'm in this deal. They don't want to, I was in a five album deal with them. So they, yeah, five albums. I hadn't even released a single. So I still owed them five albums. I'd put out two mixtapes, which is not an album. Yeah. They they were free. That was just, just, you know, for fun kind of thing, which is in there. I didn't understand money at the time. Like they're paying for those studio sessions for my free mixtape. That's going to make them no money back. Yeah. Stupid. So, um, I'm like, well, I'm on the shelf. I'm in a five album deal. If I want to make music, I better learn something else. So I learned, uh, audio engineering. I was like, I'm gonna learn how to audio engineer. So I went to a school and I had a mentor, went through three mentors. And my third one, I actually met from that situation at Atlantic before, like I knew this guy, mm-hmm. but he's a mentor at this school program. So I was like, Oh great. Like you can be my mentor, but we were already kind of friends. And so he took me under his wing. We finished the program together. He is two shorts head engineer. Oh, wow. So he's like, at the end of it, he's like, Hey man, like, um, we need an intern. So if you want to like take out the trash and get food and not really talk, you can do that for free if you want. And I was like, cool, <laughs> I'll work at two short studios. So I did that for a year, drive to downtown LA, just literally me, my mentor and two short and his large family of friends that he, that are always there with him, whether they're artists or producers or his cousins, there's just a big group of people. They're all from the Bay area. Mm-hmm. I was the only guy in there that was not from the Bay area. So I learned a lot. Um, first thing I learned was how to roll a backwood blunt. Second thing I learned was how to play pool. Too short is the best pool player I've ever seen in person <laughs> by far. Um, but I was doing more smoking and playing pool than anything musical there. So after about a year, I was like, okay, I should probably see if I can get into another situation. Ended up at dark child studio through the program. I reached out and I said, Hey, is there any, anybody looking for an intern? I want to kind of switch up where I'm at. They hooked me up with dark child. Um, Dark Child's head engineer, actually, because when you're an intern, you don't really talk to the... I don't know if you know Rodney Jerkins or Dark Child. He's uh, pretty, I've heard of Dark, Dark yeah, Child. He, yeah. did, he did Say My Name by Destiny's yeah. Child, As Long As You Love Me by Justin Bieber. The guy is like... he's a He worked with Michael Jackson when he was 16. like So he's been around for a long time. Um, so I didn't really talk to him too much, but his head engineer brought me in. The assistant engineer ended up taking the head engineer's spot because the head engineer was bringing me in so he could leave, which I didn't know. I was sad about. Mm-hmm. But I met all these producers. And at the time, um, I had served at Joe. So during the two short thing, I did work. I was serving food at Seafire Grill in Carlsbad. And then I ended up at Joe's Crab Shack in Oceanside Harbor. Yeah. So I was there for that whole time when I was working at Two Shorts. So I'd go up to Two Shorts for a few days mm-hmm. and then I'd come back and like serve food and then go just go back and forth. So I had money to eat up there and then I would come back and work and then do that. I do that Monday through Saturday and either Saturday night or Sunday morning, I drive down to Carlsbad and we play at Seafire on the patios. And we, uh, we did the Sunday brunch thing there for a long time. And that started because I didn't have money and I was working for free and I kind of begged them. I was like, Hey, can you give us a shot? Can we do like a brunch thing? Cause Sunday's the only day I have off and I need money for the week. And they're like, we'll give it a shot. Ended up being great. So I was working one day a week with Wayne for that whole, you know, I was there probably eight months at Rodney's. Yeah. Uh, maybe six to eight months. And, uh, and then I just wasn't doing well, man. Wasn't getting enough sleep. I was staying on my grandma's in my grandma's living room on a cot mm-hmm. and she lived kind of, it was in Calabasas. So she lived like near thousand Oaks. So it was about yeah. 20, 25 minutes away. So I drive, you know, we get off at two. I drive back to her place. By the time I got there, it was like two 45. I'd go to bed at maybe three 15, three 30 if I was able to fall asleep. And then, you know, it's her living room. So grandma comes out at seven in the morning. <laughs> dogs barking so i get three four hours of sleep six days a week and i don't do well with that yeah started going literally insane just just 
not okay mentally, not getting enough sleep. I was just delirious all the time. So I left there and moved back to San Diego. And that's when we started playing. Okay. And I was like, I don't want to surf. I didn't have a great experience at Joe's. I'm not going to lie. I'm not hating on anybody. I just, I didn't <laughs> love it too much. Um, I don't do well with authority. My managers for the most part didn't like me very much. And the staff was in a here, hit or miss with me. Um, but I wasn't doing what I loved and I wasn't a very like amicable person all the time. So yeah. I was kind of a dick for a long time. Like I really was <laughs> like looking back, I like, I probably wouldn't have liked me either. So I'm not blaming anybody. It's just the facts. And then I was like, I don't want to do that again. Let's play more gigs. Yeah. So then we started playing the Roxy and Encinitas here and there. And then we started playing the Papagayo. And then it got to like, we were playing three days a week and that was cool. And then um, it just built and built and built. So to answer your original question was, <laughs> did you think that this was going to be something you do full time? Never. No, I never intended it to be. I wanted to be a rapper and I wanted to be, you know, an engineer and I wanted to be a songwriter, which I still want to do. Yeah. Producer. <clears throat> and this was just how I was going to make money to get there. That's why it happens so organically, though, is because <clears throat> that's why we don't I don't promote like I'm barely on our Instagram. I barely post people are like, well, we want to you, you guys need exposure like you guys need to do. And we're I'm like, I'm not trying to get exposure. This everything that's happened right now. And we have a pretty good thing going. Like we're oh, very yeah. fortunate in a pandemic to have worked 10 out of the last 11 days um, at different places. Mm -hmm. We have a great thing. I'm very thankful for it. But it happened completely organically without trying. We did not try. We weren't like going around like, Hey, can we play it? We literally had our places we play and somebody would hear about us. And then like Papa guy was like, Hey, we heard, we heard your band was good. Do you guys want to play here? And sure. And then the word started spreading and restaurants were reaching out to us saying like, Hey, we'd love to have you like come play. Yeah. So it's good and bad. Cause we, we just did what we did and it organically grew into a thing to where now like, I'm tired from working the last 10 days. Like I got tired from playing music too much. Like that's, <laughs> that's rare. You play a couple hours, you go home, you're fine. But like, I'm actually, it's been a long, you know, week and a half in the best way. We played a lot of shows and it was super fun. Yeah. I mean, I know there's, I know there's been a lot of people that, uh, you know, even, even from my, you know, from my hometown, uh, in Cleveland, I mean, there's a, a just a load of talented, um, artists, creators, musicians. Um, but, uh, just having that, environment or having those opportunities to sort of um you know make it and and even being able to do something like you're doing you know full time as a you know as a musician i mean and i know even out here i mean the um the the, the musical community uh just with bands and and artists is i mean real diverse um and uh so even even with you being able to you know do this as a full-time gig is i mean it's pretty pretty amazing um and I don't know. I, I I think I do. You know, I think you just proved a, a really great point too. Is that you know sometimes the 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 best way to get from point A to point B is not really sort of you know figuring out what that destination is, and um, sort of allowing things to to happen. And uh, I think you're a a great example even from your story. Um, you know, you it's it's one of those where you you find yourself. I think when you put yourself in positions you figure out real quick what you don't want. And um, I think with you going through um, and playing football and, and doing all these different things to where um, really great opportunities for maybe somebody else, but for you is you figured out what you, you know, what you didn't want and what you, you know, what you're looking for. And I think you, you sort of figured it out. Um, and, you know, it's sometimes it could be rough and sometimes that can be uh, 
you know, really regretful for, for a lot of people that doesn't figure it, you know, they, they don't figure it out or, you know, they get to the end of the ropes and like, I should have, you know, took this chance on, on this, or I should have just, you know, went out and did this, um, regardless of, you know, what other, other people may, may feel like. Cause I, yeah, I mean, you're, you're you was in a great situation. Like why? Like several, you, bro. you got a college several. scholarship. Like, what are you doing? I have pissed away at least five <laughs> really good situations, yeah. including and, like, I got a golden ticket on American Idol. Didn't want to audition. Casting producer <laughs> saw a video and was like, hey, why don't you audition? Because they get paid to find people. Yeah. It's like, all right, I'll audition. I'm not going to make it anyway, so whatever. I get the golden ticket. So now I'm like, oh, wait. I didn't think this was going to happen. Okay, let me read the contract. Five sentences into the contract, I was like, capital, fuck this, dude. Like, <laughs> this is horrible for me. Yeah. There's some people that it's great for. I totally respect If that's... First of all, I don't even like Hollywood. I don't yeah. like, I don't like the way it works. Uh, I don't like the the amount of gatekeepers there are. Oh yes, and the fact that raw talent is kind of drowned out by just manufactured sounds, and um, the public is very easily swayed, and and trends are very easily put out there. Mm -hmm. And I like that. I like that music too. I do. There's very trendy, cool stuff, and like especially in hip hop, like yo, that's not. I have, I have not the person to say what hip hop should or shouldn't be, but for me personally, like it's kind of a bummer to see how, how it started. Hip hop started yeah. as such a uplifting and like knowledge based. There's a lot of different brands of it, even, but even like the, the nineties dope dealing hip hop was different because it was so, a lot of it was so profound, even just in the lyricism yep. of the rhyme scheme. Yep. And I feel like now it's like, like, no, not everybody could be a Jay-Z. And when he started, not not everybody could be a, a Talib Kweli or a Most Deaf. Mm -hmm. And I don't feel like everybody could be a rapper now, but I feel like what, and I'm not hating, I'm just using an example of someone I feel like Lil Pump. Anybody can go Gucci Gang, Gucci Gang, Gucci Gang, Gucci Gang, Gucci Gang. Spent 10 racks on a new chain. My girl loved doing cocaine. Like that's, it's it's not the same as like. Completely different. And there is still amazing hip hop that's being put out. Don't get me wrong. But what I don't like is I it's it's not anybody's fault but the the consumer, and it's not even their fault. It's yeah. not a fault. It's not a fault, but it's just the reality is the consumer, most people are going through their own tough stuff. They're stressed out, they're anxious, they're depressed, whatever. And when they put on music, most of the time they want to listen to something that makes them feel good and head bob and forget about that stuff. Yeah. Not that reminds them how messed up and rigged the system is. And <laughs> like, cause that's, that's the, the stuff that needs to be talked about. Yeah. But doesn't necessarily need to be heard all the time. Yeah. Um, and it's just kind of a weird conundrum cause I don't make music that's trendy. Yeah. Um, I don't like the whole, I've talked about this before too, but like the whole, like, the public is your judge, jury, and executioner. All eyes are on you at all times. If you say an opinion or a word that a certain group like doesn't necessarily agree with, there's no conversation. You are done. I don't like. I think it's a very limiting. And there's some really great people that have like messed up here or there, or not even messed up, but like done something that maybe they didn't need to do, or maybe they didn't need to say. Yeah. Maybe they tweeted something. Like Kevin Hart is a great example. Yeah. Kevin Hart tweeted something along the lines of, it was a joke that he had written. Yeah. But he said, if he had a gay son, he would smash a dollhouse over his head so he would associate negative things with dollhouses. Yeah. 
and he was up to host the Oscars. And Kevin Hart is a hardworking dude. I watched his documentary. I'm a fan of Kevin Hart. He's always in the gym. He's always bettering himself. He also had some other things, but that's his relationship business. That's none of the public's business. If what he does and his wife, that situation, if yeah. he cheats, like that's between them. I don't care about that. Um, but the, the okay, he yeah, he probably shouldn't have tweeted that. But like it was different then than it is right now. Yeah. And it was then, and he's, you know, people adapt with the times just like the times adapt. Um, but the fact that he got hosting the Oscars ripped out of his hands because of a dumb thing that he tweeted 10 years ago. Yeah. It's, that's the kind of stuff where I'm like, dude, so like, yeah, maybe I could have like a really great, but I dude, social media. I was like, social media came about when I was in middle school and high school. I said the dumbest things in my life in middle school and high school. I guarantee there's some Facebook post or some tweet or something that's yeah. out there that could get me in trouble from what I said when I was 14 years old. Yeah. And I don't think the same way I did when I was 14. I don't even think the same as I did when I was 22. Yeah. So I'm 26 now. I think I'm a completely different person than I was three or four years ago. Um, my thought processes, my everything is just different. So like I, the whole idea of like really the main thing that'd be great is making a lot of money. Everyone wants to make money. I think most people do unless they're like completely with nature, which is rad too. But like having money in this society gives you freedom, yeah. freedom to do what you want. So yeah, you can make a lot of money making music and that's an upside, but well, if you're independent, then yes. If you're signed to a label, like I said, you get your bonus. Well, you're going to have to recuperate that to the label and then you're going to have to pay for this and pay for that. And it's like, the money that you can make as an artist is actually not even, I mean, I just saw who's the, who's the San Diego Padre. Um, are you, are, do you watch baseball? I don't uh, know. I'm, nah, I'm not a big baseball fan. There's one of the younger guys on the Padres just signed another deal for, I think it was like a few hundred million dollars for like a five year contract or something like that. And I'm just going like nobody, no rappers making that kind of money unless they are Jay-Z and they have like a record label and uh, a champagne and Duce and their wife's Beyonce and like you know, that's <laughs> insane. So and that's unnecessary amounts of money. Oh, too, yeah. But uh, I'm just saying like the whole industry just is a turnoff to me. And that's why I didn't want to do American Idol. And I'm happy that certain things didn't work out when I was young and I didn't understand what a contract was mm -hmm. and like what certain terminology meant um and so here i am like okay i want to do music i don't want to have a boss i want to be successful but the f the industry that i'm in like i don't want to be too successful because i <laughs> don't want to have to deal with all that stuff that comes with being super successful because yeah. you you kind of like in the eye of the public like you they kind of own you in a certain way like you you're they're responsible for your success like they're buying your records they're paying for your concert tickets they're kind of employing you it's like a cop like a cop is technically a public servant like our taxes are paying for policemen and firefighters so in a way they work we're we're their employers yeah in an indirect way yeah that's kind of how i see like the public and the consumer with artists mm -hmm. and if you do something that pisses off the consumer then you're done um, I piss people off all the time. I'm very good at it. I'm very, very good at pissing people off. So I don't know, bro. It's just like, it all just seems like, ugh, like, ugh. Like, I'd rather just chill, bro. I'd rather just like, you know, make my money, invest it well, get some real estate, have some passive income, slowly build up. If anything organic happens, yes. The other thing is songwriting. Mm -hmm. If you can write a hit song and it goes to, let's say I write a hit song for Post Malone and it goes number one. There's a lot of royalties for that. Yep. 
Um, your, your name's not necessarily, I mean like, yeah, people can look up who wrote the song, but it's like, you're not touching it. Your face isn't out there. Yeah. That's ideal. Yeah. I would love to just be private, <clears throat> live my life, write some hit songs, be involved with music, get some money, get a house in Northern California, have a house down here, rent out a couple properties and just chill until I die. I like that. That's it. <laughs> what is a creative tip or tips that you could provide our audience? Like I said, you guys tell me I I don't have any. <laughs> You're gonna be the first one, the the first guest not to have a creative tip. I'm not. The, I'm lazy, bro. Like I'm very <laughs> unproductive. So like, <clears throat> I guess my creative tip to myself would be like, I'm the most creative when I feel good about myself mentally and physically. I like that. So if you want to get more creative, I'm talking to me. If I want to get more creative, I should probably get up a little bit earlier, do some meditation, stretch, work out get the weight off. I want to get off, eat right, feel good in my body. Cause when all that's going well, the creativity just happens. Yep. Hey, I talk to myself all the time. That's, that's a great tip. <laughs> but if you got them, like I said, if you got, if you got some actual ones for me, let me know. Cause I need it. <laughs> I need it really bad. Well, everybody's probably listening to you like, Hey, that's, I need to do that. I need to get up and, and get up a little bit earlier and work out and feel, feel good about myself. Yeah. Hey. I feel like most of us, you know, at least from time to time go through that oh, phase yeah. of, not not handling business. Yep, that is the truth. Yeah. Um, well, we already talked about your ideal creative life. Um, if if you know, obviously money wasn't an issue, just ideal creative life. What would you be doing? No, what's the ideal you know day for you? What would what would that consist of? <sighs> That's a tough question. <clears throat> if I had a better metabolism, it would involve a lot, <laughs> a lot of cooking. <laughs> I love cooking. I love making food too. I recently went on a smash burger tear where I learned how to make like real legit smash burgers. Yeah. Thin patty, crispy, very few toppings, just a nice little sauce, some grilled onions, raw onions and cheese. That sounds good. Oh my God. They're so good. I'll show you the pictures. Um, uh, spending time with, I love like, okay. Eventually all my friends are probably going to get married. I don't know if I'm going to get married. I don't know how I feel about marriage. Um, all my friends are probably gonna have wives and stuff so it won't be the same but like i love like right now <clears throat> my ideal day is i wake up drink my cup of coffee go to my buddy's house play some pool work out um eat some good food maybe play a gig and that's and see my dogs dogs are a, a, a key part of my good days so awesome i don't know bro like i just simple simple stuff yep if i had a lot of money i'd probably just buy higher quality steak with it some japanese a5 wagyu <laughs> more often um going into uh projects is there any kind of uh, upcoming projects or anything that you're brewing on i know you you tend to sort of keep everything close to the chest but i didn't know if there's anything that you've got sort of stirring around right now nothing nothing it's so sad <laughs> i got is... nothing i got nothing for you i don't i'm not working on anything i've been you know i've been we do covers so yeah i am working on like how to write a song. Yeah. Um, I've written a bunch of songs over beats and I know that technique. Yeah. Um, involving auto tune and freestyling melodies and then writing words after as far as picking up a guitar and writing a chord progression and finding melodies, I'm trash. Yep. So I, right now I'm trash, but I'm working on it. <laughs> Eventually I'd like to be able to give you guys some kind of original an original set at the show with me and Wayne. And then like maybe an EP that I can record and mix myself based on my experience with that. That'd be cool. But I, I'm really just trying to figure out what the hell I'm going to do. 
with, you know, if I'm cool with like small time cover, like if that's going to be my thing and just do stuff like that. Or I mean, if music's even going to be my thing, I, I'm, I'm in that place right now where I'm like, I really love what I do. We have a great thing going Wayne 70. He may get over it tomorrow. Like if Wayne just said, you know what? I don't want to do this anymore, man. I'm retired. We're working too much. Then I'm screwed. Cause that's my, all I know is, you know, playing music with Wayne in (laughs) our set list. So I'd either have to find another guitar player and teach him the whole set list. And he's not going to be even nearly, not only as talented as Wayne, he may, but the connection that Wayne and I have is like very unique. Um, it's scary, man. I'm in a scary time. Uh, and that, and that's part of the thing when I wake up in the morning, I'm like, Oh shit, I gotta, I gotta figure that out. (laughs) Well, no, you, from, from, from listening to your story, you, you've put yourself in weird little situations for it to all sort of come out right. It's like a, uh, it's sort of chaotic. So it's like chaos, but when you look at it from a other, from another vantage, it's actually everything that, you know, you're everything sort of lining up. Um, task failed successfully. Yeah. You've, you've sort of figured out how to get to, to point A to point B. So that I wouldn't, I'm not going to worry about you. You're already talented enough to get where you need to go. Thank you. Um, so, um, I know you're not on social media a lot, but how can people like reach out to you? Maybe if they're saying, Hey, look, I, I want to get swinging Johnson's own, uh, a, a new gig or, you know, yeah. how um, so there's like a, uh, there's a couple bands that use that name as well. And I think they're like in, on the East coast, but if you go to www.facebook.com slash the four, as in the number, the four swinging, no G, the four swinging Johnsons. So it's www.facebook.com slash the four swinging Johnsons. That's going to be our page for the swinging Johnsons. We also have an Instagram um, at S-W-I-N-G-I-N-J-O-H-N-S-O-N-S, one word, at swinging Johnsons, no G again on that end of that swinging um and yeah that's that's our social media so if you want to reach out and say what's up or if you have any questions or advice i would greatly appreciate advice um yeah hit us up i need to i need to bring you into my gym yeah we'll we'll get a little workout and we got you know we got boxing and everything so awesome i'll get you in there um hey once again if you've been tuned in thank you uh live stream audience thank you for uh watching this this will be uh, on the podcast here soon in um, podcast form and as well as in video. So um, I'll, you know, share this out. But um, yeah, it's been great talking with Sodi. Um, you know, would would definitely love to bring in Wayne one day, uh, but definitely want to bring you back in for, uh, for another episode. And like I said, I know I'll be catching, me and my wife will be catching some of your, uh, some of your gigs. So I know we're always going between Orfilo and, and Coomber. We're always trying to uh, see when swinging Johnson's are in and like, let's go, let's go check them out. So, yeah. uh, but once again, Hey, thank you. Uh, grateful for you to come in and sort of share your story. Um, you, <laughs> for some odd reason, you, you sort of figured out ways, you know, that obviously you didn't want a boss. And I think you had to go through certain things to sort of figure that out. And I think for, um, for anyone that's listening, especially for my, my, my cradles, um, especially for all my artists, musicians, everybody that's, you know, they're, they're trying to, you know, get their music going or they're trying to, um, you know, get their art career going, um, figure out, put yourself in positions that you can't stand and you will figure out real quick what you don't want in life. And once you figure that out, you'll, you'll, you'll put forth all the effort to get away from that situation and put yourself in a better, in a better, uh, position. So, um, you know, obviously Sody 
did it his own way and and um like i said he's doing what he lo- doing what he loves and i think that's for for anyone um just do what you love i'm saying you'll have a happy life so um once again thank you um sodi thank you with uh cobalt uh pod thank you for all my sponsors uh panels elevate coffee uh astral pad um once again i'm gonna give a quick shout out to uh dave and peyton uh dave has this beautiful artwork. If you ever see the video and you see the backdrop, Dave painted all these paintings, beautiful artwork. Um, I, like I said, I always put um, a little shout out for him. Uh, Dreamwave Studio that's here in Oceanside, California. Um, check them out. If you're wanting artwork for your uh, for your um, building, for your studio, anything like that. Um, beautiful, beautiful paintings. And uh, I think they're um, great assets to any kind of, uh, you know, just to decorate your walls. But uh, check them out. Um, just want to give a shout out to him. He's also the sound coach and to Peyton. Um, I, like I said, I use a lot of his photos for a lot of my, uh, for a lot of my social media content and branding. Um, beautiful photographer. So check him out. He's always doing, he's got his prints and he's always got his, uh, photography that he's doing. So you can check him out too. And I'll put, I'll put both of their information in the, uh, in my show notes. But, uh, other than that, Hey, thank you, Sodi. And this has been another awesome episode. Thank you for having me so much. I appreciate it. And I did. I wanted to mention that this studio is awesome. <laughs> the guys are awesome. Uh, I was very impressed with the whole setup. I didn't know what to expect. I was like, oh, my goodness. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> thank you. Thank you, gentlemen, for what you do. And thank you for having me. It was a very fun episode. Oh, appreciate it. And, hey, this has been another episode of The Creative Brew. Be creative. Stay inspired.